Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. Now playing next door at New York Theater Workshop is Miranda Heyman's adaptation of Franz Kafka's In the Penal Colony. And while the two pieces share a name, this adaptation uses the words of the short story to explore many contemporary issues, often without words. I spoke about it with Miranda, along with designers Cha C and Emmy Finkel, after a recent performance. Take a listen. Probably got it also at least a bit toward the process because I'm we have designers here which is really great don't always right? have designers on there <laughs> and because um, we're underrepresented exactly there's that we're and we're very underrepresented and you got to represent now yeah. <laughs> thank you for doing this well I you know I always leave it up to the production I say like you know who do you want to be on my field oh you want to talk to the actors I'm like I don't necessarily want to talk to the actors <laughs> I want to talk to whoever wants to talk about the show and the process so but um, I think what's so, I mean, just to jump in, I think what's so exciting about having these two here is not only because is obviously the set and the lights. I mean, all the design in general is really integral, but the fact that they each have very different relationships with the piece, because I know Emmy had seen a past version of it, whereas Cha read the script and we had talked about it also outside of the context of the script and just in general. So that's also exciting to talk about how our, I would feel really grateful that I have designers who came in full speed ready to go but also had different interrogations and different relationships with the work and with the piece as it has existed and as it exists now and i think what's really important is just different backgrounds collide in the theater because to be perfectly honest i have my ingredients with me but i don't know what i'm doing like it was like i we have like a certain breakdown from the script that oh prologue is going to happen and then in the penal colony is going to happen and then there's epilogue one and then epilogue two so now what <laughs> so then the sound designer and i and emmy here are just like what, what are we gonna do i think we have to find that rhythm we ha- have to find the right ingredient to bake this cake that has so many layers because i think for me at least the end at the end of the day i'm not gonna tell you where we are but i'm gonna make you feel where we are so highlighting the of course i it was really helpful also to talk back because i know i've had a lot of conversation with emmy and and miranda about bodies so i want to make sure even the breathing i want to highlight that the minute that they enter marching what what happens though when they're also at the same time guiding the audience just just feeling the vibe of like what's what's it going to be like when it's, it's a gym, it's a free throw game. And then suddenly it's like hands up. Oh, it's like headlights from the cops. You know, it's like, that's the things that I'm really interested in, in terms of like nuancing those like moments. And I think it was successful. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, you know, let's actually, uh, we just jumped right into this. This is great. Uh, uh, not the traditional opening to the podcast, which is good because it's not a traditional kind of show. Uh, can I get everyone's name on the mic? Let me know who you are and what you did on the show. And we'll start with the writer, producer, and director, correct? Yes. Did I get, did I get all of them? You got all of awesome. them. Okay. And also, I joke that I'm also the cast understudy. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know I'm probably the only one that knows all the movement and the lines. And uh, that would be incredibly impressive if you do. Yeah. yeah. But Miranda Heyman, she, her, writer, director, producer. I'm Emmy Finkel. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the set designer. Chasi, she, her, lighting designer. 
And the show is in the penal colony, which um, maybe some literature nerds might remember from your history books slash German studies as a Kafka piece. Um, but this is influenced, adapted, not exactly the piece. I did just like the gentleman that spoke during the uh, talk back. I also read it on the way here, um, which was really helpful to, to step into the piece and have that in the back of my brain. And I was pleasantly delighted to find that that is not what I, the, the, the piece was there, but that wasn't necessarily exactly the piece. So uh, I know you're going to retread a little bit of ground from the talk back, but can you talk a little bit about, um, the, the, the woman, I believe, uh, their, their name was Hannah, uh, asked you the question about what the, uh, how you found, how you got to this piece via the Kafka or vice versa. Um, so I think that I had read the piece in a German class and I had originally read it in English. And I remember when I read the story, um, it was my freshman fall and I was struck by the relationship between patriarchy and punishment. And I think in reading this story, I actually solidified my understanding that punishment as it exists in this country is inherently patriarchal. And there's a different, and there's a there's um, also a performance of this is a lot of p words, so bear with me. But there's also like a performance of patriarchy similar to how we perform punishment. So when I started considering what it would mean to adapt this piece, that's really what I held on to. And then moving forward and saying, well, what parts were important to me in being able to realize this? I realized that the machine was super significant, and the machine being both the or being the machine that the black male body has been subjected to and continues to be subjected to, and also um, what that punishment looks like and how, you know, in the, as you read in the original short story, he's going to learn it on his own body. The character, the, the whole point of the machine is learning the judgment on your body. So I think that coupled with my, under, or with my realizations and thoughts about punishment and patriarchy and how it exists as part of this larger system, also especially in, in the penal colony, tied to performance, some other texts that I was really excited about were, you know, were like the lottery. Um, mm. Has anyone read that? The Jackson? Yeah. yeah. The lottery is about um, how it's similar to Hunger Games in that somebody is randomly chosen out of a community every day to be stoned. Or every year, once a year. Once a year, yeah. once a year they, they choose one person to stone, and that's where they put all of their punishment. That's, the whole, that's their justice system. So I was really excited by different notions of justice and how that um, not necessarily could be compared to, but there's a, that kind of, just, the kind of justice, or actually lack thereof, does exist. <laughs> in America and continues to exist and be perpetuated by. So that's where I was coming from. And I think too, um, that it made the connection to be drawn between the judgment on the body and the history of black male bodies and their corporeality of punishment and what that punishment has looked like and how that punishment has looked like so many different things really is the thread that ties in the penal colony and Kafka's machine to in the penal colony as it exists for us. So I didn't ask you what is usually like the traditional podcast question, like the opening question, which is when, uh, and, and I, there's a reason for that, because I think you've kind of set up the, the question very well with that answer. I always like to ask when you ran, you ran into a friend on the street, you're just walking on the street, like, hey, I'm doing, I'm doing a show. And they say like, oh, what's your show about? Like, Long what, line? Yeah. What is your like, <laughs> because it's obvious, I hope the listener uh, is picking up on the fact that this piece is stuffed with ideas. Um, and, and deals with a lot of very, like, big, big, big ideas uh, that are very present in all of our lives, especially in 2019. So 
how do you condense it down to say like come to my show here's why what is what is that show that line I think how I've been thinking about it, and I'm curious to hear how y'all have also been <laughs> yeah, we want, we want describing it. But I think that how I think about it is, I the play asks the question, what punishment has America placed on the black male body? And how is that punishment and that judgment seen on the body and reflected on the body? Yeah, I, I typically say that this this piece uses uses the the story as a basis and a way of exploring uh, the various structures and and various ways that black masculinity is is oppressed in in our society. Yeah. My answer is just you know I'm doing this play. You should come <laughs> watch it. It's so absurd. It has so many complex layers. But I think for me the key word is really about punishment about torture because of course my background is different so i'm seeing this entire kafka Heyman coalition differently <laughs> so i you know there's there's a lot of like conversation also that's like about cleansing about torture about three male bodies like what does it mean so when i see a friend i'm like watch the show because it's so absurd like you can even you can even exploring it in your perspective i don't you know does that make sense it's like it can be whatever flavor you want that's right well, as uh, scott steven steven as steven mentioned in the talk back mm -hmm. uh he that person had a very different uh they they found things in the show that i think are there uh i definitely when when they were speaking i was like oh yeah absolutely that's oh, what i got too right, right, right. Uh, i was like right. wait sports that was here i totally missed that but that's okay exactly. exactly and i think that that's part of um what i'm excited about this piece represents for me as an artist is that i'm really not interested in spoon feeding but that doesn't mean that we can't be specific and that's a lot of the conversations that we've had yeah. about when is our hand too specific how can we let the audience use their own privileges, biases, backgrounds, everything exactly. in order to see what they yeah. see. I used in a lot of our earlier meetings, I would joke that like the bad version of this play is just like on a basketball court, you know? <laughs> and like there there are ways that even just by by locating it somewhere that is that that specific um, could undercut this sort of multiplicity of of experience and of background and ways that people can can uh, come come to the piece and so that definitely was one of the biggest challenges that we were thinking about when when trying to literally just like place it, it. <laughs> somewhere it's, you, I, i'm thinking about the the fact that you talk a lot about the body um and you know like you were saying like this idea of inscribing the the lesson on the body and that comes through very much in the presentation of the piece the way that this is done is a highly physical workout for your actors um and incredibly intricate. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about what the process was like to build this highly physical movement-based piece that I'm guessing, like, there's very few words that are spoken and I, most all um, come from the Kafka and we don't get the whole piece but we get words that are directly taken from at least the translation that I read. Mm -hmm. um, the harrow begins to write. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and so just talk to me about like how, how did you build that? That's Because that's a lot of work to... We I, I don't know. I always like to talk about these things because I feel like in the American theater it's very easy to think like, you know, 
when you're in, you're in high school, you're given a script and you read the script. Oh, and absolutely. It's, like, yeah. it's like O'Neill and it has all these crazy stage directions and that's how you have to do it. And we in independent theater can take a Kafka piece and make it about whatever we wanted it to be. <laughs> uh, how did you make that though? What was the process like working with the actors to build the incredible choreography? And so, then to add in layers, like come in please with the design too. So I think that the main thing is that we talked about, we literally just sat and made a list of the different sites of judgment. Basketball court, cotton field, slave auction, outside, the street, back of a police car, you know, I can go on and on and on. We literally just sat and made a list of all the different sites of judgment. I don't want to say positive and negative, but of a spectrum, of an emotional spectrum, laughter, line dancing, all of that. And then we picked and cho choose like what was the most significant and we really weaved it together. The piece has been in development with just me since, um, 2014 and in this iteration since 2017 so we really have been able to say well we know this image to be true we know that this has a has a place in it and then also add and take out i mean it's gone through so many iterations so what we have landed on is really what we hope is not only a historical spectrum but also an emotional spectrum and an emotional journey for the audience that gives us the ability to be able to use that all as language for later. It really is, the prologue is able to be both a starting point and the, the recipe for the rest of the piece. So we're also able to use, and why I'm so excited about choreography in general, but also especially in this piece, is that it's able to say so much more than words would. Mm. We're able to have an audience see that, and again, going back to what we said earlier, and take that for themselves and go with it and have it be embedded in their experience of watching the show. So it definitely was, it is complicated. And I think that what's exciting to me too is that the actors know it better than I do, which I think also speaks to them truly knowing it in their bodies in a different way. Um, but yeah, we just talked about the question I asked is, well, what are the sites of judgment? Let's make a list. And even in that list, they, I sent that to the designers as well. And, you know, like I was saying, I think that a lot, a lot of my challenge was trying to find a way to, to acknowledge that multiplicity without <clears throat> a putting on a basketball court or be the other like thing that I would say is that we didn't want it to be, end up being like a collage of like stereotypes of black masculinity. Um, and so, and so for me, it actually ended up being a really sort of, uh, beautiful marrying of a creative problem and a logistic problem where we, we got excited about this idea of, of the street and this sort of public space being our sort of anchoring location, because that is such a, a, a container for so many of these, these various sites of judgment and acts of violence and moments of joy. And like, there's all such a range that gets, uh, gets held there. And then the, the floor material that you see there is actually like that that sort of rubber mat that you see in like gyms like on the floor of a gym um and it was like we can get it with gray speckles and then it kind of looks like asphalt and like great <laughs> mm -hmm. and then the other day after the, uh we were to have a run we were hanging out with the actors and the actors all came up to me and were like oh my god the fact that the floor is rubber 
makes this like it makes a, such a whole world of difference for them for being able to perform that physicality. Yes, and I think that like even like none of us really realized how much of a difference that was going to make for them just for their their bodies and their endurance and their ability to to maintain a show that is that physical. So it right, did end up being a very happy sort of <laughs> happy accident in that way. <laughs> It's it's really interesting this process because every I think for me as as their lighting designer, I feel like every process is always always different. But but one thing that I feel like is my specific process here, I think I went with precision. But it but it's so subtle that I'm not even seen, if that makes sense. That lighting is not seen but it's all off off the movements of the actor it's either with the movement it's either with the text it's either with the sound so it's like you just i just made some decisions that i feel like that is the strongest placement for us to change lights because also for me i think what's important is that i need to find the reason why i'm changing lights i just don't want to see a show where it's like oh the lights change out of nothing because we're going into transition or like you know scene one cut transition cut scene two boom mm. so it's like it's one of those things that i'm very careful for careful about just because i know that this show once the minute that we start this show the, the next thing you know, it's it's bows. So it has to be fluid. It has to be precise in a way that it's not spoon-feeding the audience. And also, I think visually, I made sure that there's some elements that I don't need to explain that this is what the stadium lights is. But, but, but you know, I hung some lights really low and just blast the actors. And I think for me, that's a simple gesture and that's already enough for, for this show and yeah precision but not grandiose mm -hmm. is i think what i went with in terms of my point of view just to anchor me on every single element that i'm just gonna show on stage and it's interesting because with our sound designer you know we were having a conversation um they're not here valent um their name is valentine and i think it was like day five of I don't know, preview number two. Mm -hmm. They Second were like, yeah, they were like, Cha, how did you feel about it? I was like, yeah, I feel great. I still have a lot of things to do. And it was crazy because they had a comment that they were like, oh, yeah, during prologue, it's all you. I didn't even realize that it was just lighting and the actors <laughs> until, until they had that comment. I was like, Oh, you're right. <laughs> because I think everyone is just doing something to make the show like and move layering. forward. That's right. And I was like, holy shit! I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even recognize that because there's so many breathing. There's so many hoop, hop, hoop, hop. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that also speaks to a way that we because the way that we conceived of the idea of the machine necessitated a like synchronicity between lighting and sound and choreography and uh, scenery and physical life. Um, like there is no extricating those things from from each other in those moments. Um, we very, very quickly found found a language and also were able to 
to give each other feedback in a way that I think was really essential. Like we, you know, sometimes everyone is like staying in their lane, like I'm paying attention to what the paint looks like and like I'm not gonna think about anything else, <laughs> right, but right, I think right. it, it was really important right. that we all felt like we could like give give each other those moments, whether it's of feedback or like, yeah, <laughs> hey, and, good job, and, dude. And, like you did that thing we talked about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know? yeah, I totally agree. And also for here, for in the penal colony, I think the the success of the collaboration it's almost parallel with the story that we as designers plus the director have become the machine, and but but we didn't have punishment. Instead, this machine has been oiled and fueled with such good Gatorade that now the lights and sounds are working together. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like we're, 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 we're in motion together, but we're not punishing the piece, but we're making the piece shine. Does that make we're sense? Polishing, not polishing. Punishing. <laughs> polishing, not punishing. And I also think that what that means from like a directorial standpoint is that the theatricality of the piece becomes necessary. We don't have the machine without every single department. Actors, me, every, we don't have, so that's what's the most exciting to me about um, matching Kafka's corporeality and his idea of his machine and all the different pieces that go into it is to be able to marry all of our different perspectives and skill sets you know there's always a really yeah, funny joke that like yeah background and exactly. also resources just exactly. if, if you see the show it's, <laughs> it's not as if we have equipment you know what i mean <laughs> or like you it's it's just yeah, crazy this is the Broadway version. It, yeah. it's, not the, it's an independent theater you know that's like really putting ourselves out there but at the end of the day we're so proud just because we know that all of our spirits were there. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah, it does. Good. I often like to ask this question, especially when um, the piece has definitely like a, a social theme and a social engagement message. Uh, maybe message is the wrong word, uh, but is is definitely aware that it has something to say. And I like to ask and I, I feel like maybe we've already answered it, but maybe just as like a wrap-up question here. Um, why do this piece now? Um, and it's, I think when you see the show, it's very obvious, but for those who have not seen the show yet, why is this piece important to see in 2019? I think that we engage with black men and black bodies. I think that we as a community engage with black men and black bodies in a way that probably feels really distant to many non-black people and probably for black people as well, actually. You know, it's through a headline or through a tweet or through the television or a history book. And I feel that this piece is directly engaging with you know, the real live bodies and the real live circumstances in the way that feels gripping and theatrical and real. I think that we're really able to get folks in the room and have a real live conversation, which is something that I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I completely agree with, but I do think is a concern about how we move further away from each other and the realness of each other this piece is nothing but real. Real circumstances, real bodies, real lives, real stories. 
So I think that if anybody is interested in being able to start a dialogue through that, then they would be really, really excited by this piece. It's the beauty of why we do live theater, right? Um, thank you all so much for thank doing this. You. This is great. Uh, the show is in the Penal Colony. We are next door at New York Theater Workshop, the former Fourth Street Theater. Um, and uh, you run through when? July 28th. Tickets and more information can be found at? NewYorkTheaterWorkshop.org. That's NYTW.org. Excellent. Thank you all so much for doing this. And uh, break legs on there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Miranda, Emmy, and Cha, for hanging out after the show to chat. You can catch In the Penal Colony at New York Theatre Workshop's Next Door Space, 79 East 4th Street in Manhattan through July 28, 2019. Head to nytw.org for a link to tickets and more information. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please like it on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show. Follow at go see a show on Twitter and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. My name is Robert A.K. Gagno. You can find me on the internet at Robert Gagno, G-O-N-Y-O dot com. Until next time, go see a show. Wow, that was a good one. That was fun. That was, that was fun. <laughs>